or as we should probably most popular say, turn on your screens to Isaiah 6, turning my screen on. Yesterday morning, we talked about fear and the fears that we face in ministry. We talked about some ways of overcoming that fear. And one of the ways that we talked about overcoming that fear is paying attention to our meditation. Paying attention to our meditation, how it's vital that we spend time daily in God's word to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And we have to ask that searching question. Really, that question has to do with idolatry, right? What is it that is capturing our meditation and if it's not the word of God? What are we... What are we thinking about? What are we focusing on that's really driving us to fear? And so the simple calling for us is to meditate on Jesus, not fear. Meditate on Jesus, not fear. A passage that I I keep coming back to and back to and back to for 20 20 years now is Isaiah chapter 6. This passage draws us to to Jesus uh, unlike many others. And how interesting it is that we can turn to a passage in the Old Testament, right, and talk about Jesus. But this is a passage about Jesus. This is a a vision of, of Jesus. This is Isaiah before the Lord of glory. And so I want us to read this passage and I want us to to pay attention to our meditation. And I want to show you how meditating on this passage can draw you closer to Jesus and away from fear. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. It means the fiery ones. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. For I am lost, or I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. You know, grasping the holiness and and, and glory of the Lord should have a profound effect upon us, should have a profound effect upon the way we view God, the way that we meditate, the way that we overcome our fears and insecurities and shortcoming in ministries, because then when we begin to spend time in the, in the Word and, and let it transform our hearts and minds, taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ, it becomes more about Jesus 
and less about us. It becomes more about Jesus and less about our fears. So when face to face with the Lord of glory, as Isaiah was, the way we view him will be will radically change us. His word radically changes us. And so we need to look and see what this passage teaches us. Let's meditate on this passage for a minute so that we might see more of Jesus. What an awesome sight this is. Some vision, some kind of transportation up to the throne room of God that Isaiah got to experience. Um, and it was, it was awful. Uh, it, was, it was full of all, and it was awful. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to die, right? No one can see the Lord and, and live. Moses had to be hidden in a cleft of the rock, and God had to pass by him, and he got to see the backside of the Lord of glory, whatever that looks like. But here he's in the throne room. But one thing we need to notice about this passage, and, and again, this is why we have to pay attention to our meditation, because oftentimes we skip over this. In our English Bibles, we see that this is the Lord. But in your English Bibles, you'll see that this is the Lord, uh, capital L-O-R-D. This is the Lord. This is Yahweh. This is who Isaiah sees. Capitalizing the name L-O-R-D is an English convention to symbolize a Hebrew word, the pro- proper name of God, Yahweh. And we've, we've really kind of lost that. We, Lord is, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, if you've been watching Downton Abbey too much, you think, you know, oh, Lord, Lord Grantham, you know, um, you know, Lord Vader or whatever. But here it's, <laughs> it's Yahweh. It's the covenant name of God. It's the personal name of God. It's the name he, he gave to his people that says, hey, I'm, I, I own you. I'm your God. You're my people. This name signifies that he's the God of his people. It's the covenant name of God. And there's covenant promises attached to that, right? I will be your God. You will be my people. I am Yahweh. It's very significant that we know that this is our creator and our redeemer that Isaiah came face to face with. He's, he's Yahweh. He's the Lord. What about the Lord that he saw? Isaiah describes something very wonderful and beautiful here. He sees the Lord exalted. He's, he's high and he's lifted up. Uh, I, I've driven by twice now over toward Matt's house, and that steeple at that Baptist, at Johns Creek Baptist Church is like the size of the church. It is the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. That should be like a, a stop in Atlanta. Go see Johns Creek Baptist Church steeple. Um, it's huge. But we see, I see what they're trying to do there, right? They're trying to point toward heaven and exalt, exalt the Lord. Here Isaiah is describing the sovereignty of, of God as being very exalted, high and lifted up. He's, he's at the pinnacle of the universe. And this is what scripture does in every instance, right? It shows God to be at the center of all things, the driving force behind all things. He is high, he's glorious, he's lifted up. The glory of the Lord is represented here by his exaltation. And the vision of God that Isaiah sees, it, it exalts us and tells us that he is he is awesome. He is, he is not to be taken lightly. He is, he is the supreme authority of all. And Isaiah got to be there in the throne room with him. 
He describes the Lord as majestic. We see the royal majesty of God is represented here in two things, a throne and his robe. Uh, his, his robe that filled the temple. I have a, I have a, I have a three-year-old daughter, and, and uh, lately I've just had to go to a lot of weddings, and my wife hasn't been able to go. And so our fun thing to do now is she gets to be my date, and we get to go to weddings. And so she's learning about weddings and getting all types of idolatrous thoughts in her mind about her wedding. And uh, one of the things she's real, real interested and in, focused on is, is the veil, you know, Daddy, why is that lady's veil so long? It's like, you know, stretching eight rows, and it's behind her. It's trailing her. Daddy, somebody's picked that up, you know. But you imagine here in this throne room, Isaiah describes the Lord Almighty's, the train of his room filled the temple. He is a great king to be reckoned with. He has, he's on a throne. He's on a throne. He is a sure sign of his kingly nature. He's his sovereignty is real. He's on a throne. He has all power and authority to rule everything, everyone, the cosmos. Robes were a sign of royalty in ancient times, and God's royalty is established in this passage by, again, this immensely grand robe that just fills the temple. His majesty fills the temple, the, the, the throne room of heaven. He's at the center. He's the king. Jesus is, is the king. He's holy. King Jesus is a, is a thrice holy God. The angels call out, holy, holy, holy. There's a threefold repetition in Scripture, obviously, is, is, a, is a way of emphasizing something that's very important, right? He's set apart. God's holiness, Jesus' holiness, is the supreme truth about him. And his holiness is so far beyond human understanding that the use of the word holy has to be used three times to express it. There's no other way to do it. He's, he's mighty. He's called the Lord Almighty or the Lord of hosts. Literally in Hebrew, this means he's the Lord of of armies. For some reason, I envision that scene of the shepherds in the field when the night Jesus was born, right? The angels appear to the shepherds and they're telling them what's going on and they're scared and afraid to death. And it's like, okay, you think you're scared now? And then all of a sudden, the sky is littered with armies and armies of angels, troops and troops of angels. King Jesus is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. He has the army of heaven behind him to assert his glory. And the quaking and the unstable scene, the shaking described in this passage is, is just further evidence of his might. And then to add to his glory, there's the smoke, right? There's that Shekinah glory, the, the shrouded, fiery burning glory of, of God with, with mystery signifying his, his majesty. He's mighty. He's, he is holy. He is, he is mighty. He is awesome. He is majestic. But he's gracious, right? There is that picture of the gospel here in the last part of this passage that he's gracious. The Bible 
The Bible never just gives us a God who's just and powerful and sovereign and who will smite down his enemies because he's also a God who is loving and merciful and gracious. And God's grace is shown by the initiative that he takes to forgive Isaiah, to save Isaiah. The seraphims come to him, the coal from the altar to touch his lips and to say, this is cleanse you. They come to Isaiah with a word of grace. They come to Isaiah with a word of forgiveness. And Isaiah's life is graciously spared because he knew that no one could stand before the Lord and live. John testifies later in John chapter 12 that, th- that who Isaiah saw was King Jesus on his throne. This is pre-incarnate King Jesus, the Lord of the universe. And I simply want to tr- draw you to this passage not to give you three points to come away with for great, for great living, but that you simply go back to this passage and meditate on who King Jesus is, how glorious he is, how gracious and mighty and awesome he is, so that the overflow of our ministry is about Jesus, that we're doing ministry from a love and a heart of King Jesus, meditating on him, and not from a place of fear not from a place of insecurity, but just because we're enamored with who the Lord is. So I invite you to capture your meditation, pay attention to your meditation, spend some time with the Lord in his word, and out of that we overflow with ministry. Let's pray. Father, we, we surrender, as we sang earlier. We confess to you that we have ministered from a, a place of fear and insecurity. But Lord, we see here clearly from this passage and from the entire scriptures that, it, that it's all about Jesus and his glory. And We pray, Lord, that you would help us to pay attention to our meditation, that we may focus on King of glory. Who is the King of glory? The Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be more about him and and less about us. More about the gospel, Lord, and, and, and less about works. Lord, more about grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.